Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Balls Over the Top podcast. We are your hosts, Michael Rock. And I'm Brendan Collins. And we're very excited to have you here. we got a ton of stuff to get to today, so we're just going to jump right into it. Yeah, let's, let's hop right in. In world football, we had the resumption of domestic soccer leagues Absolutely. this week, which we were very excited for, and it did not disappoint. Starting in the Premier League, my team, the Chelsea, the, the Chelsea, Chelsea, the boys in blue, stayed hot, getting themselves a 2-0 victory over Newcastle. They netted on an own goal by Newcastle early in the match and then followed it up with a Tammy Abraham goal off of a Timo Werner cross. Timo Werner, it seemed like he was having his way with that Newcastle defense all match. Couldn't net one himself, even though he had three or four chances that you would have thought he would have converted. Yeah. I mean, he he's exhausting for a defense to deal with. He's relentless in his attacking presence. Elsewhere, the Spurs took the top of the table with a 2-0 win over City. Huang Min Sun netting a goal. He has just been phenomenal. Really the engine for that team. Yeah. Kind of taking the torch from Harry Kane. Obviously, Harry Kane still contributes, but right. it's been the Huang Min Sun show, I feel like, and really establishing himself as probably a top 10 player in the world at this point. Yeah, he's very much a Mourinho-type player, though, Huang Min Sun. Yep, I mean, great on the counter-attack. work rates. Yep, good pace, good shooting ability, really can make something out of nothing. So they're a lot of fun to watch. They're up at the top of the table with Liverpool in second, Chelsea in third. Big match this upcoming weekend between Chelsea and the Spurs. That's going to be an exciting one to watch. Elsewhere in the Prem, United got back on track with a 1-0 victory. I believe that was over West Brom. Got themselves a penalty. Bruno Fernandes converted it. Nothing surprising there. Not with his ability to put penalties away. And then Everton won a shootout against Fulham, 3-2. Just very high scoring. It was a very high energy game. Honestly, Fulham looked the more threatening side for the latter portion of the second half, so like the 75th minute to the 90th. They looked the more threatening side. So it was a really thrilling ending there. It seemed almost like Everton ran out yeah. of gas. You know, they were up 3-1, to one, and the match ended up you know, they managed to hold on, keep the win. That's a big, I think, a big win for them getting back on the horse after they were kind of in a free fall for the yeah. few weeks leading into that international break. Continuously stumbling. Liverpool had got a 3 to nil victory victory over Leicester City, and Diego Yata just continues to play like a man possessed and added himself another goal. I mean, he's been relentless. He's been producing domestically, producing in the Champions League campaign, He's one of the reasons that this team has stayed afloat despite their insane amount of injuries on the defensive end of things. Mm-hmm. Yes, they have Mo Salah, yes, they have Sadio Mane, Bobby Firmino, but it seems like a lot of those these games, those guys aren't getting the job done. And then in the second half, all, as a substitute or in the times he's been given the chance to start, Jota's been the one converting it and making something happen. So... He's going to be exciting to keep an eye on, looking like maybe the transfer of the season for the Premier League. I mean, obviously Chelsea 
has had a couple of big ones with Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, Thiago Silva's made an immediate impact. Mendy. Yeah, Mendy, obviously. I mean, with Chelsea having clean sheets in something like six of the last seven matches. Yeah, it's a little bit of a difference. I don't know. So there have been some big, and you know, didn't mean to just focus on Chelsea there, but obviously I'm going to have some bias. There have been some really big moves, and so, but none perhaps bigger than Jota. I mean, he's been phenomenal for a side that won the title last year. He's been really just on top of things. And in an unexciting note, Arsenal played to a nil-nil draw against Leeds, but Nicola Pepe got shown a straight red card for initiating contact with the defender's head. Really, really a bonehead play. It was really a pointless, pointless play away from the play, Ball was out of play. I mean, the like play was stopped, mm-hmm. and he just made a mistake that really cost them points. I believe Arsenal was the more threatening side that whole match. It seemed like, yes, Leeds was getting the occasional counterattack, and they have shown the ability to score goals. I mean, Rodrigo hit multiple posts. It was really Leeds was disappointed to not get three, especially with the man advantage, but. I really think Pepe cost Arsenal points there, and we'll see if that comes back to bite them. But it was an exciting weekend back in the Premier League. We had a couple of interesting matches in the Bundesliga as well. A few surprise results. We we had a great weekend of some Bundesliga soccer. First of all, Bayern drawing 1-1 against Bremen. Really, honestly, lucky to get that draw. They really only had the one dangerous shot that wound up going in from Kingsley Coman's shot at the 18-yard box. In the and second that half. game cost me a fortune because I had Bayern to win in almost every bet I placed yeah. for the day. And that was just a punch in the gut. This is the first time Bremen's uh, ever not lost against Bayern in their, uh, in their recent history since their promotion. So, that was, it's an impressive scoreline. Uh, what's even more impressive, though... I was going to say, there was another impressive feat over there in the Bundesliga. Yeah, we're going to talk about early Holland putting up four goals, having what's considered a perfect hat-trick in Germany, which is three goals uninterrupted by another goal or a stoppage in play like a halftime. Oh, that's exciting. So, yes. yeah, really just a... Just a and then getting uh, it done quickly. Yeah, and then when they conceded a penalty in the second half of the game, in the later stages of the second and a half, immediately go back down the field. Early Holland scores his fourth, just really rubbed it in in the five-two drubbing of uh, of Hertha. Yeah, an impressive side. I mean, that team has been known to uncork some goals rapid fire. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I know they have some European games coming up midweek this week. Hopefully they can keep that run of form going. Oh, and, and Ralph gets another one. That's true. That's he got, true. He got another one. He's, sne- he's been sneaking them in there. It's playing in that weird left-back, left-mid, left-forward role that Dortmund's been implementing for a weirdly long time because Schmelzer was in it before. It's an impressive. He's been impressive. Anyway, we can get we can move on with it because Leipzig also held Frankfurt one one. Leipzig's been weirdly out of sorts with both the 
with Tyler Adams playing up and down in the midfield. He's been plugged in there, hasn't found their stride. But uh, Polson, Timmy Polson, who's we've seen, he's been great. Gets another one, brings some level for the one-one draw. Yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised at this result. I mean, Frankfurt's Frankfurt isn't a pushover exactly. No, they're, yeah, they're but, not. But Leipzig, obviously, the way they've performed the last few seasons, you you'll expect them to be competing up yeah, with Dortmund. Yeah, they're a Champs Bayern. League club. Obviously, I think also, you know, how many weeks can we mention it? But I do think the departure of Timo Werner has still left a hole in that team for a consistent week-to-week goal scorer. And so, you know, a treasurer at Chelsea, there's a reason that you're the marquee signing of a period. Uh, you end up... means it means there's a hole somewhere else, you know. So. Yes. That's something to keep an eye on. They have, again, they have a big European match coming up this weekend versus PSG, or not weekend, this week versus PSG. So they're going to be looking to get a result there. Obviously, PSG, we'll talk about them in a second, but Mm -hmm. they've been up and down. So that's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Elsewhere in the Bundesliga, Schalke and Köln are still winless. Two teams that are... I'd go as far as to say staples. Definitely Schalke. Staples of the Bundesliga. Yeah. I'd the, argue Köln's not far behind either. Exactly. I mean, for as many years as I've been following the Bundesliga, both of these teams have been major players. Yeah, I mean, Köln's been a, a little yo-yoing from time to time, but they've been a top-flight club for a while. But Schalke, I mean, Schalke, this is incredible. It's now, uh, yeah, you're you're the Bundesliga aficionado of the two of us. Do you think they turn this around, or is it looking more and more likely that they're getting sent down? I mean, obviously, with each, with each passing week, as long as you have a zero in that wins column, it's a concern. Yeah, but it gets, it's still early on. I mean, do you think that they have the talent over there to to turn to right the ship, or is this a uh, is this a real fall from grace? You know. You don't win soccer games when you have a leaky midfield, but you you will never win. You'll never win if your best players are your midfielders, and that's what Schalke's situation is. They lost Nubel going back to Bayern, so they don't have a goalkeeper. They don't... I mean, Sadar's their best player by a lot, and it shows they've made no good transfers. They've brought in no good players. I mean, their finances are in shambles if they can even pull something off. Well, in COVID, I imagine, compounds that. Oh, absolutely. It's it's very hard to imagine that they do get relegated, but they've shown no real signs of being able to turn anything around. I mean, they look... Look dreadful. They, it's impressive... It's impressive the number of chances that they generate just to miss the net. You got to imagine though that turns around at some point if they're you able would, to you would, generate the chances. You would think, you would think, but we're weeks into it and they have not won in what feels like an eternity. Yeah, we're definitely going to need to keep an eye on that. You know, two storied clubs. I imagine we see at the very least one of them sent down, maybe both. Yeah, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. It's very much possible. Another club that's recently found its way up to the Premier League and is actually hoping to repeat some success. Union Berlin. 
team that really I didn't know about till this past year when they were in their first season in the Premier League. I mean, obviously I'm familiar with the city of Berlin, mm-hmm. but didn't really know much about the club. No, it's an old club too. It's a very it's a storied club. Well, they are not only back up in the you know, they they not only held on last year and avoided relegation, mm-hmm. but they're up in fifth place right now and they're off to the same record or the same start that they got in 2018, the season that they earned promotion up to the Bundesliga. So they're hoping maybe that's a sign of good things to come. Maybe they'll be able to anchor themselves up in that upper echelon of teams, be competing for a European trophy possibly next year. Yeah, I mean, if you're mirroring mirroring the form that you had in the division below and the division above, I mean, it's, it's a good trend to be on. Uh, they've done well. Max Cruz, this past uh, this past week, he his penalty streak was broken. He had one of the longest streaks in the Bundesliga, four penalties converted. Didn't hurt him though, because they still won two one. And uh, that Union Berlin team is going to probably keep rolling. It's going to be very interesting to see. We have. Another story from the Bundesliga, and we have another hat-trick goal scorer. Mateta for Mainz scores a hat-trick. All three of them pretty impressive goals, some from quite a distance. They take the 3-1 victory over Freiburg. Freiburg, another team, very listless at the moment. It's interesting to see if they're going to pull it around, especially with a bunch of the transfers that they made this past offseason. Yeah, a team that had a lot of big moves, or at least, you know, made a lot of headlines. For the Bundesliga. For the Bundesliga, yeah, for a club it, of that size. Yeah, you know, it, we're not talking... It, 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 we got to scale it, because we talk about the Premier League transfers, and it gets wacky with the, the numbers of the pounds, and then you convert it, and then you're like, wow, that is gigantic numbers. It's different in the in the Bundesliga. Much more value based, now but it my, was it was a lot of deals. They they made a lot of changes. Now my second favorite league, mm-hmm. the Serie A, we had a few interesting games to watch. My favorite team in that league, Inter, secured a major comeback win against Torino. I only say major because they were down two to one, relatively late in the game to end up not only equalizing, but. Coming back and, and... Surging back. Yeah, and and not only then taking the lead, but adding a little bit of insurance to it. Romelu Lukaku really was the centerpiece of this comeback, netting two goals, the equalizer and the go-ahead. Did he assist on the the other goal? The fourth one? I believe one? Uh, I believe it was the last one, but I'm not positive. Lautaro Martinez goal in yeah. the 90th? I believe he did with hold up play, but I don't know. There was there were a lot of chances that game, so yeah. I could be it running was, them it, together. But it was really phenomenal game for Lukaku, player who has a lot of up and down performances. Sometimes gets called out for effort, or sometimes gets called out for the work rate he puts. Work in. rate, yeah, maybe his touch on the ball being a little one dimensional. In the Serie A, he really shines though, and. You know, a team like Torino, Inter should beat, but it's still a good storyline when, you know, second half, you overcome a deficit, come back, secure the points. He's not the best dribbler, but he's sturdy and he's strong and he's got 
He's a, a, hell he's of a, a shot. good distributor and, and a, yeah, really great at, at striking the ball. And, Especially and, inside the box. Yeah, yeah. Elsewhere, the other Milan team is just led by the ageless wonder. Zlatan Ibrahimovic continues to defy father time. Yeah. As he nets a brace in their 3-1 to win against Napoli. Yeah. Napoli, another team that really was in good form coming into this game. It's just impressive that AC Milan continued to cruise and really anchored or, or driven by... Zlatan. By this Zlatan performances week in, week out. He's on the score sheet. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and that's a brace in this He's one. on pace to get the, the golden boot Yeah, he, over Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, it's I mean, it's incredible. He he scores both with with his feet. He scored with his knee in this one. He I mean, he could score with his butt if he wanted to. There's nothing this guy can't do. He, he's, uh, you he's, did call him a guy. I, I mean, that's even... You're, you're, you're walking a along here. Yeah, okay. I know he... He's uh, he's Laton, so it's it's. I would just put it colloquially. But unbelievable! I mean, so much fun to watch too. It's always pure class. It's it's entertaining. It's creative. It's uh, sometimes you're just amazed. It's tons of fun, and we're it's a treat that we still get to watch him at this age do what he does. It's at the top level. At one of the top levels. Yep. Elsewhere, toward the top of the table in Italy, Roma got a impressive three to no win over Parma, and your boy Henrik and Katarian yes netted a brace. Yes, and that first goal he scored was a worldie. I mean, he scored just a run up, long range shot from outside the box on a uh, on an advantage given from a free kick, which would have been a very dangerous free kick in the area it was in. But it was that was fun. Watched him score some two great goals. Yeah, I mean, this is coming just, what, a week or two after he netted a hat trick. Mm-hmm. So he's really in a great run of form right now. and Their, I mean, their whole offense is firing in all, on all cylinders. Yeah, that Roma team is uh, looking to maybe make some noise over there. We did see Juventus get a 2-0 win over Cagliari, and Cristiano Ronaldo, we just said his name a second ago, saw Zlatan gets two goals and says, well, i got to do that myself. And so... I actually, I'm not gonna lie. I might be mixed up. I forget which game happened first, but an impressive feat from Ronaldo. Just a few weeks coming, uh, uh, you know, removed from his COVID recovery and mm-hmm. being cleared to finally return after a month, month plus absence. Already getting himself back in the scoring column in, in domestically and in the Champions League, and continues to do what Ronaldo does. It's going to be fun to watch this Serie A race this year. It's going to be interesting to see. If AC Milan continues to do what they're doing, how Juventus plays, you know, Inter Milan is looking incredibly dangerous. Roma, as we just mentioned, is in a great run of form. Napoli's been phenomenal of late. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as always, this league is going to provide some good parity and some entertaining games, and I'm looking forward to that. Real quick, rapid fire. There wasn't really anything super crazy of note. Lazio got a solid 2-0 win over Crotone, and... Atalanta was held to a nil-nil draw against Spezia. Yes, and just real quick, if you were watching any of the highlights this week and you were wondering why they had the red marker on their face, they were raising awareness for victims of domestic abuse and domestic violence. 
So they were they were wearing a red swatch on their face. Just another, qu- uh, you know, some other quick points from the other leagues domestic leagues. Really, Spain and Italy. Uh, Atletico notched a one to nil victory. Oh yeah, Spain and France. Uh, Atletico notched a one to nil victory over Barcelona. Barcelona continues a very rough run of form. Real Madrid and Villarreal drew one to one, a relatively uneventful match. Uh, Real scored in the second minute, and then were pretty just uncreative on uh, with with the ball in possession. And Villarreal ended up tying it up, and the rest is history. Right now in La Liga, Real Sociedad, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid. Villarreal, um, Granada, basically a whole bunch of teams are, are in front of Barcelona. Barcelona currently in the table, sitting 13th. I've never seen any, any this kind of performance out of them this far into the season. No, it's, and it is quite the skid. We look for the, you know, supposed best player in the world, Lionel Messi, to right this ship and get everything here sorted out. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Elsewhere, the other European powerhouse, Paris Saint-Germain, took a rough loss this weekend to Monaco, Mm -hmm. 3-2. Yes, but this Monaco side is always tough. Definitely, and that's always a tough match. There was also a red card shown to PSG late in the game. I believe it was Diabe. Mm -hmm. And... Kevin Volland had a brace, and Cesc Fabregas, the, another guy just seems to be fighting that clock, netted the game winner. Penalty kick. You, you know, you, you can lose speed, you can lose strength, you don't really lose that touch. Cesc Fabregas still kind of has it. He can, he can still put the ball where he wants the ball to go. Yeah, but PSG, despite the loss, and even I remember us talking about them early in the year with some turbulence, Remain in first place. They they have a two point lead right now over Lille, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean, usually they run away with it, so the fact that it is that close is, I guess, good to watch. But I imagine they're going to continue to do what PSG does and end up taking that league. So it's fun to keep an eye on, though. We'll see how they do. Again, remember, PSG Leipzig coming up in the Champions League. I believe it's tomorrow. I believe that's Tuesday, that matchup. A lot of good matchups this week in the Champions League also. That's the other European note here is it's match day four out of six. So yes. really, that was the big the big match that caught my eye. I'm excited to see Chelsea play Ren. That's going to be a good one in, in my mind as well. Mm-hmm. But match it's, day four out of six. Stage. Yeah, match day four out of six. There's there's still a little bit of ways to go yet. The groups that are close, they're still going to be close for a little bit. The groups that aren't close, it doesn't really matter. Exactly. So we'll have more on the group stages and how that's kind of shaping up in the next couple of weeks as they, it does start to shape up. Mm-hmm. But... Match day four. Yeah, once we get to people being actually eliminated. We figured we would have enough to talk about, as we did, with the return of the domestic leagues following the international break. Absolutely. But we got more soccer to talk about. Yeah, I was going to say, this is another big big soccer segment coming up as we move over here to the MLS Cup playoffs. Super excited about this. This this is an awesome time of year. 
MLS playoff time is wild. It's a lot of fun. It, it's very close, very heated. And we can get right into it because we yeah. had playing games to start. Yeah, we did. And New England ended up squeaking out a 2-1 to victory over Montreal. I remember saying I was kind of hoping Montreal got to pull this one out because of Thierry Henry. But New England's been a fun team to watch. And they've been a fun team to watch the Union play uh, over the last few months with the regional scheduling and all that stuff. Speaking of, the Philadelphia Union will face them again tomorrow. Yes. In their first playoff game, again, the Union being the top seed, having that home field advantage and having the Eastern Conference run through Philadelphia, we had the benefit of playing whoever won that playing game. and Well, not that playing game, whoever the lowest seed through the playing games was, and it just so happened that it was New England. So that was an exciting match. That was the first one. I believe that was, what, Thursday night or Friday? I mean, it was early. Yeah, I think it was Friday. They started these ones early. Elsewhere, the other playing game... Nashville ended up ending the inaugural season of Miami FC Yes, with a 3-0 victory. Pretty surprising, considering I, I thought we'd see more out of that Higuain-led Miami side. Yes. And yet... Well, but Gonzalo tested positive for COVID-19 before the game and was out. Exactly. So it ended up being a, not only his, his you know, not only was he lacking, but it seemed like they could not replace that offensive prowess. Yes. It was, it was, they were absent in front of goal. Uh, Zimmerman, defender of the season from Nashville, proving once again worthy of the title. Elsewhere, we saw Orlando and NYCFC play down to a or play to a one-to-one draw, but these games go to a shootout. In the shootout, Orlando narrowly escaped with a six-to-five victory, pulling out the win. But crazy officiating in this game. They end up down to nine men when it's all said and done. Yes, I mean pretty unbelievable. Impressive that they were able to hold on and. Squeak out the victory. So, just to try and quickly break it down, what happened. On the fourth save attempt of the penalty shootout, which had this counted, it would have won Orlando City the game right then and there. The goalie came off the line, which is a foul. Now, typically, they're warned about coming off the line if they do it, but the ref did not give this goalkeeper a warning. Gave him a yellow card, his second of the game, which is a red card. Now, because it's in the penalty kick shootout, you are not supposed to make a substitution, but the side referee started to allow them to make the substitution, held up the sign, brought a goalkeeper on for the substitution. Then the main referee overruled it, sent him back off. They put a defender in the net. All this to say that eventually Orlando won, but it was a crazy sequence of events. It was a, it was a lot of officials having to talk, communicate, direct players, Three different people put on a goalie jersey and goalie gloves. It was an interesting scenario. It was fun to watch. If you can check out a breakdown of it, it was it was a very interesting scene. But Orlando squeaks by and moves on to the next round. We saw Columbus net a 3-2 victory over the New York Red Bulls. Game winner by Giasse Zardes yes. in the 68th minute. Yes. He's an exciting, electrifying player. Seems to have a nose for goal. Mm-hmm. And showed it here. 
ends the season of the New York Red Bulls. They the Red Bulls kept this one close, though, scoring right again at the 90th minute, making it an interesting 3-2 game. Yep, and so we see both New York teams crash out early in the MLS Cup playoffs. Elsewhere, we saw Sporting Kansas City and the San Jose Earthquakes played with a 3-3 draw. Penalties, though, were a different story. Sporting Kansas City won 3-0 with their goalkeeper, Melia, perfect on penalties, saving all of the attempts against him, yes. stonewalling San Jose, and uh, forcing his team through to the next round. Yeah, I mean, he had to be fired up after letting up that very late equalizer to oh, yeah. uh, all 97th minute. Ugh, Chris yeah. Wondolowski. Yeah, does he ever go away? No, he's like he's like a perpetual just nightmare of only scoring when it's inconvenient for you. But oh, you can't get a tap in against Belgium in two thousand eight. You, you just make it bitter for the rest of your U.S. men's national team watching and squander a generation of really good players. Yeah, it's sort of haven't even made the World Cup since then. Yeah, but, it's been, yeah. Thanks. So. Anyway. He's out. He's out. Sporting Kansas City moves on to the next next round. round. Exactly. Now, in a match that I was really excited for, and it went the way I thought it would, Minnesota ends up beating Colorado 3-0. Kevin Molino nets himself a brace, scoring in the first half, and then again late in the second. Tell you, Minnesota was a dangerous team in the MLS's back tournament. And I think they're going to be a dangerous team in this one as well. They have been solid defensively, and whether they're kind of in their mind or what possession-wise outmatched and needing to focus on the counterattack, they seem to get that done. Or if they're the team dominating a possession, they still seem to be able to create opportunities to, you know, penetrate a defensive system and create chances. Well, we we saw it in this Colorado matchup. They match against the pace of their opponents quite well. They figure out a game plan, and they really stick to it. I mean, this was a decisive victory by Minnesota through and through. It was a full 90 effort that they, that they secured this victory in. Now, Portland versus Dallas was an absolutely crazy one. Insane. Finished a 1-1 draw. But that's not even half the story. Remember, one of these teams should look into bringing Milia over from Sporting Kansas City because neither one of these teams could save a single penalty attempt. Well, Literally, we got to talk about how they even got to got to penalties because this is this is ridiculous. Seventeen-year-old Ricardo Pepe comes on as a sub in the eighty-fifth minute and just winds up catching. A through ball way up the middle splits several of Portland's defenders and taps one in in the 94th minute. Yeah, I mean, the, the late equalizer was remarkable. You know, 17 year old, that's an incredible moment for him, third, obviously. Third youngest scorer in MLS playoff history. And, yeah, you know, yeah, coming in getting the goal as a substitute, but then your team holds on and secures the upset. Remarkable. What a match. But yeah, Dallas ends up winning in the shootout, 8-7, to seven, after neither team misses a shootout, uh, misses a shot 
through their first seven attempts. Portland misses the eighth. Dallas does not. Dallas is going on to the next round. It's like a Cinderella story. What unbelievable comeback. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable just display of team resilience. Mm-hmm. And overcoming early COVID issues. Yeah, and one of the heavyweights of this tournament and the favorites and a lot of people I said so my myself. I saw them probably coming out of the West. Well I, 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 we said it here. We don't like betting against the Char brothers, but when it goes to penalties, it's way out of their hands. Yeah, so well, that was a crazy scoreline. A whole lot of drama here in this first round of the MLS's or the MLS Cup yes. layoffs. And first round's not over yet. Yeah, it's not done because we've got three games set for tomorrow. Yeah, we have the two playing teams who just secured their wins just a few days ago have to follow it up immediately, and they're playing against the top seeds. Yes. Philadelphia playing against New England, and Toronto has Nashville. These are huge matchups. I'm super excited for the Union game. I really expect us to show up against New England. I expect our offense to be potent still, as we've been all year. I am hopeful. Do we know about Andre Blake yet? I haven't. I you know I haven't looked for an update, but I feel I feel very comfortable with Matt Freese back there. All the same. Yeah, and so, you know, Jim Curtin's done a phenomenal job. He won Coach of the Year. Hopefully, this team continues to roll. We let these playoffs run through Philadelphia, and that journey doesn't end here. So I'm excited for that. Toronto versus Nashville. I do expect Toronto to turn around, but that has been a banged-up team. Yes. Uh, I do think they are expecting to get some players back, but we still don't know what they're going to look like. You know, Toronto versus Nashville, we could see anybody come out of that. I, I'm still thinking Toronto is the more experienced team. They have long, 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 long list of players with playoff history, playoff pedigree against a Nashville team that's not even, what, three years old? Yeah. So that'll be fun to watch. And then late night, West Coast, we have another solid one. Ooh. Seattle. Playing against L.A. Oh, my goodness. L.A.F.C. Yeah, so that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. The Sounders are a lot of people's pick to win the MLS Cup just because of the fact that, again, it seems like they're there almost every year. Yes. It's just almost it's almost like they're, they're like, you know, LeBron, where it's just like they kind of almost coast through the... the the, the regular, regular season, season, and people always question based on what seed they are, where they're going to be, and then he, sure enough, he's there he is in the final. Yes. You know, so uh, they're a team, obviously, uh, a loss would be devastating. Right, but they're coming against a hot off his return, Carlos Vela. Exactly, who was you know really the best player in the MLS last year. Absolutely, and arguably still, still probably one of the best, if not the best. And he's going to have a chip on his shoulder after having missed so much of this season. Oh, he's got to be ready to. He's got to be ready to play. So, we got some great games tomorrow, and then we're going to have some great games in the second round. We're very excited. We look forward to them. But moving elsewhere to some other l- leagues here in North America, the NBA had a v- crazy week, a very busy week. Yeah, free agency opens and it's it's a madhouse. It's been a flurry. 
We'll start local. Big name. Ten years ago, this would have been a way bigger deal. But Dwight Howard just signed a deal to come to Philadelphia to back up Joel Embiid. This coming after we saw the Sixers move on from Al Horford, which we mentioned last week. Yep. Josh Richardson has been shipped off as well. Uh, we've we've brought in a couple new faces, but the newest one is Dwight Howard. This uh, this was a recruiting effort by both Joel Embiid and Daryl Morey, and I'm very excited about the move. I think it's a good one. Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. I am curious to see you know what his role is, how effective he is, really how this whole team operates under Doc Rivers with Daryl Morey's leadership now with the roster changes. I mean, there's so many question marks about how this is going to come together. Are we going to see a transformed team? Was Brett Brown the problem? Or are we just going to kind of see more of the same, a lack of maturity, a lack of clutch shooting, a a lack of taking care of the ball? Remember, this team has been prolifically bad with turnovers. You know, it's going to be interesting. I I hope for maturity, and I hope we see a notable improvement. But I'm curious what it's going to look like and if slash how much Dwight Howard would factor into that equation elsewhere major deal we saw gordon hayward sign a four-year 120 million dollar contract with the charlotte hornets big deal there Mm -hmm. after opting out of his boston contract really a tenuous time in boston goes to a charlotte team where major injury in boston too really derailed his time there yeah he goes to this charlotte team where he'll kind of look to be the centerpiece well with the new new pick that they picked up in, in mellow ball well that's true so they look to form a one-two punch there that'll be interesting to see i mean this you know for being the greatest of all time on the court as an executive michael jordan has left room to be desired that's and true so, that's true but also you have to remember that the nba is kind of run by the players at this point and Charlotte's not the same draw that Miami, L.A., Boston. I understand that, but there are other cities like San Antonio, like Oklahoma City, like Houston even, that have ma- like Milwaukee, that have managed to make themselves major players. Hell, even Minnesota Timberwolves have had infinitely more success over the last two, three decades than that Charlotte team. That's true, but there's still, you know, there's still the Suns, there's still the Grizzlies. I would even argue the Suns in my in, that I can recall have had a period of success with Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire. Yeah. And before I, that with Charles Barkley. Yeah, I mean... They, yeah, like, I, I don't remember, I, I, you know, I really, you're right, I don't really remember the Grizzlies ever being that good, but, you know, this is a... Sacramento Kings. Yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, it happens. Like, it's, like, it happens, but I'm saying I would expect better out of Michael Jordan. You would hope You would hope for better. So, we'll see how that goes. The Gordon Hayward experiment, it was kind of a failure in Boston, I go as far as to say. Not pointing fingers at anybody again. We talked about the injury, things like that. Yeah. Neither here nor there. I'd argue it was a failure. I'm curious to see how this goes in Charlotte. We saw Donovan Mitchell sign a max contract with the Utah Jazz, which he's been an electrifying player and scorer. 
I don't really think this is a surprise to anybody. I think any team that had him would lock him up. Jazz are lucky to have him. They're lucky he wants to stay in Utah, but yeah, at this point... He very much embraces the the Utah Jazz. They're very much his team. I mean, I understand that, but a lot of players embrace their team until they don't. I mean, we saw that with Kevin Love in Minnesota. We saw that with Kevin Garnett in Minnesota. We, When there are players in those small market teams, there's a lot of people question if it's going to happen with Giannis in... Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? When there is a super, super, superstar player who is basically has the league by the balls, like they end up navigating or negotiating their move away. And so I think Utah is lucky that he wants to stay there. Whether or not he enjoys it or not, I mean, that's good for him if he's embracing it. But I think they're lucky that he does because. There are 29 other GMs in the NBA that would be happy, including Golden State, including Los Angeles, but either team, you you name it. Anywhere. Any team would take Donovan Mitchell. Uh, 100%, yes. We saw Fred Van Vliet re-sign with the Toronto Raptors after not doing so when given all the opportunities to re-sign previously. I think maybe the free agency market wasn't quite what he expected it to be. He's an interesting player. From a lot of people, they were kind of considering him the, at some points, even to be the prize of this free agency class, obviously, before Gordon Hayward was available. Mm-hmm. But, you know, undersized, streaky, almost you would argue maybe a key piece in an offense more than he was a great player. You wonder how, kind of like how, you know, a guy like TJ McConnell had a really great niche role. A system guy? Yeah, he's a system guy to some extent. And I think this is mutually for both of the team's best interests, Van Vliet returning to the Raptors. But he goes from being a kind of six-man, likable, you know, guy who was making, you know, underpaid but earning his way to now a guy making 21-plus a year. And so he's going to have some expectations to carry. It's going to be interesting to see how he does it. But... You know, he does have a fat ring on his finger, so who am I to be calling him out? Well, the other thing with Van Vliet is the fact that he went undrafted, and this contract is the most ever for an undrafted player. This is a dream for so many people, making it to the NBA. And with his, you know, being undersized and the the style that he plays, he has found his niche in Toronto, but this is this is an impressive feat. Another player who I'm excited to see in their new uniform is Steve Adams. Now, Steve Adams, honestly, to a lot of people, might not be a household name if you're not a diehard NBA fan. Steve Adams is a big old bully at center. He is a defensive powerhouse. He's a rebound machine. He just a gobbles up rebounds. And he's a brick wall on the pick and roll. Yeah, he's a big, just, he, exactly. You, you've seen him send people into next week on, on his picks. And so Steve Adams, in a lot of ways, takes on the role of almost an enforcer. He definitely has a role in the NBA. He's very much a locker room guy. And he joins the New Orleans Pelicans, a team that is, in some ways, starved for leadership, as we see them moving on from Drew Holiday. Uh, as we've seen, you know, Anthony Davis left just a few years ago. And now this franchise is trying to mold everything around Zion Williams. And yes, they still have J.J. Redick, who's a nice veteran leader, but a team that moved on from its core of stars and is now trying to build something new. 
And Steve Adams comes in as a solid veteran presence who can teach a lot of things defensively and a lot of big body maneuvering things for Zion Williams, Zion Williamson. But at the same token, will give him a chance to shine, continue to be productive. And, you know, that's a Pelicans team that could have squeaked their way into the playoffs. And that was with Zion playing like 30% of the season with some more time to get healthy. Who knows what, what this season could hold. Yeah, and playing that Pelicans team can turn into a real, real grind if you're playing against both Zion Williams and Steven Adams as they're guarding the lane. It's going to force a lot of teams to change what their uh, offensive attacking strategy is going to be. It's going to be a lot of fun to see. Another big man on the move, Marcus Saul. Goes to the Lakers, the second Gasol brother to don the Lakers uniform as the Lakers look to try and run it back after this championship season. Yeah, the Gasol brothers, you know, Spanish, Spaniards, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sp- you know, big, big, big men that have just really made a home here in the NBA for the last decade. Mm-hmm. Mark all, was, all around centers, centers that they score, they pass effectively, they yeah, play they good have defense. A, they have a good three-point shot or, or, you know... They have outside shooting. They're good at free throws. So, you know, very versatile. And, you know, some of the best players ever to come out of Spain. It'll be exciting to see Marcus Gasol kind of take that spot from Dwight Howard and providing that offensive option, providing, again, that veteran leadership. So that'll be exciting to see. I mean, obviously playing second fiddle there to to Anthony Davis... But, but Anthony Davis can also play power forward. They can, I mean, they can run a, a very big formation if they want to. They have a lot of options in that Lakers side. Then uh, we saw your boy. Uh, Super Dario. He's sticking with his sons, and I don't blame him. Now with... With Chris Paul joining the team. And, and Devin Booker The way being. Devin Booker's been playing and finished out the season, the way that team finished out the season and the return to play and the playing games i mean that suns team is going to be exciting to watch and dario is really coming into his own actually kind of getting to play a little bit more of that ba- you know smaller center role power forward and three-year 27 million dollar deal it's a good bargain for the suns and hopefully he can continue to flourish and grow and you know establish himself in this now ever-growing crop of Eastern European talent in the NBA. Speaking of, Bogdan Bogdanovich signed a four-year, $72 million offer sheet. Yes. Uh, it was given to him by the Hawks. That's right, from by the Hawks. It's coming, I believe, after he was leaving the Kings, mm-hmm. where he was a restricted free agent. Obviously, there was some stuff going on with that some confusion things with timing the nba is investigating for some tampering it looked like he was signing his offer sheet then he wasn't signing his offer sheet then there's all sorts of red tape and bureaucratic things that may have gone on there that you know could lead to some fines or draft picks or you know who knows so that was another thing worth keeping an eye on and then lastly lastly markeith morris Dropped his own news that he re-signed with L.A. And wants to run it back. It's always fun when the player gets to make the announcement himself. And he got to just tweet it. 
We're running it back. Yeah. So, you know, one line, everybody knew what he was trying to say. And uh, and the Lakers look to recapture the magic. We move on to the NHL where some individual teams have some good news, but some leagues have some not-so-good news. But we'll start with some good news. Firstly, coming out of the Blackhawks organization, they hire Kendall Coyne-Schofield as a player development coach. If you recognize the name, it's because the 28-year-old is the captain of the U.S. women's team and has worked for color commentary on the San Jose Sharks broadcast and on the Notre Dame hockey team's commentary team. She'll continue to work for Notre Dame, but she will no longer be working for the Sharks as it is a conflict of interest. Yeah, I mean, it's always exciting to see these women trailblazing their way into these North American sports leagues as we're seeing it. The Panthers, speaking of trailblazing, hired the first black assistant GM in the NHL, which is long overdue, but a league that doesn't have a ton of diversity. You know, it's a more of a winter sport, certain demographic that it appeals to. But A lot of Eastern Europeans, and or just Europeans in general. Yeah, and so... Big step there, Panthers hiring the first black assistant GM, Brett Peterson. We look to hopefully see him actually taking the big seat in the next few years. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that's what happens. D1 college player, played also in the ECHL, has the nickname Chubbs. Very exciting. And speaking of the ECHL, there was some bad news. The ECHL, the East Coast Hockey League, for those who don't know what it is, announced that at least the Northern Division, which contains several NHL feeder clubs, opted out this season. They Mm -hmm. suspended operation for this upcoming season. Now the rest of the divisions are still planning to go on as scheduled, but... The other 18 teams, but the the six are out. But these six are out, which includes five teams that have formal minor league affiliations with NHL clubs, including... The Reading Royals, who are affiliated with the Flyers. Yes. So this is a bummer, obviously. You know, when these leagues shut down, it could have longer-lasting implications on the Prospect pipeline pool. and prospects and all that. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. And then restart talks have stalled between owners and the NHL Players Association we expect Gary Bettman to get this settled. Yeah, the owners have tried to bring it's the players back to that money. table. It's going to come down to money. It's going to come down to safety. I imagine as players start losing income and owners start losing income, the both sides are going to get more eager to get a, get a deal done, and we're going to see this start to come together. But we can move on because we've got some baseball stuff to talk about. Robinson Cano. Suspended for the entire season. Yes. Unbelievable. Man, PEDs. Yeah, I mean, it's not that unbelievable. He just got suspended not long ago and missed, a, I think it was 60 games. But you'd think these players would know better. Missing a whole season at this point in your career, he loses the pay. And the Mets do get that payroll relief, which, you know, new, new their new owner... Yes. Mr. Cohen should be pretty happy about, and they'll look to even get more aggressive in free agency. Bad news for the Phillies, though, as 
Mets are currently one of the leading contenders to sign JT Realmuto, and this gives them even more financial flexibility to do so. And we lose Sixto Sanchez for nothing. Elsewhere, we saw Raldis Chapman get his suspension dropped from three games to two after he went threw through a couple pitches process. over 100 uh, miles per hour toward the head of some opponents, but the one that was really notable was the 101-mile-per-hour one at Brousseau. Yes. He did go through the appeals process. He, you know, crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's, did everything he had to, said he was sorry. Yeah, Ray's and, got the revenge And anyway. he sounded like he meant it. Oh, so there you go. So that's why they, I think they really, the board the board felt. Well, and obviously you really want to change it from three to two because it matters so much. Yeah, in a 160-game season. Exactly. For a non-pitcher. Elsewhere, the... Or, I mean, I guess not starting pitcher. Non-starting he is pitcher. totally a pitcher. He is a pitcher. I yeah. did not mean a reliever. I, I know you. Or as a reliever, I get you. Yeah. The Brewers promoted Matt Arnold to GM. I mean, they had always said they were looking internally. Yes. So He's 41. He's a young guy. Analytics yeah, and such. I mean, analytics are huge in the game today. The Brewers have honestly been pretty consistently good. Yes. So... This isn't a huge surprise. He'll hope to bolster the talent that they did have. I mean, they haven't been. They took a little nosedive this past year, but you know they still have Christian Yelich, who's just a couple years away from that MVP season. Absolutely. They have some big pieces to build around there, and I expect he'll do just fine. Elsewhere, we saw that the Chicago White Sox will host the New York Yankees in a rescheduled Field of Dreams game on August 12th. That's always exciting. You know, they said that if they built it, they would come, and yet they built it, and it was totally empty this year. Yes, but in their defense, it was in a pandemic, and they they never said that there was an asterisk on that statement. Yeah, so obviously that'll be fun. I think everybody was looking forward to that, you know, playing out in the corn. Yes. But... Just uh, just a few miles away from the movie set. But definitely pretty funny there. Um, that'll be that'll be a good time. We're, we're, you know, that should be a good game. White Sox looking to build off of a solid season last year. Yankees obviously always a threat with their with their payroll where it's at and the star power that they have. So we'll look forward to that. We do have one piece of oddball news, though, that I wanted to bring up. Yes. This weekend, pay-per-view, our boy Iron Mike Tyson steps into the ring for his exhibition match against Roy Jones. I mean, did you ever think we were going to get to see Mike Tyson fight again? No, I didn't. And I'm. this is the first time I can truly appreciate it. I mean, now it is a fight in air quotes because I did hear, and Dana White laughed at it, which I never like to give Dana White credit, but... Neither one is allowed to knock the other one out. It's deemed too much of a health risk. Now, I don't know how you enforce that. You're still fighting. Yes. So, like, if you catch him in the jaw and, and you knock him out. Well, you, did sur- you, you surrender part of your purse or like, something? Well, it's, I mean, it's a, it's not, it's an exhibition. I mean, yeah, there is a purse involved in everything. I mean, of course there is. So, I don't know what the exact exact enforcement of that rule would be, but... Apparently, they're both instructed 
neither one of which is instructed to go for a knockout considering both of their ages. That did take a little bit of fun away from this. It doesn't, it doesn't, because there's, they're still fighters at heart. And they're going to be going for it. Of course they are. Neither one of them wants to lose. So, so it might, it might, this is, it might be a bit boring, though, if that is the qualification they have on it, because people might not realize the defensive techniques that they're going to have to implement, if that's the case. If they're going to have to win on a technical level, might further compound the interest in it. Yeah, you know, I, I think most people want to see Iron Mike tear somebody's head off and... If at his advanced age, no state will sanction a fight that allows knockouts, I think a lot of people may be disappointed. Yeah, but it will. It's it'll still be fun to see. Yeah, so that that was all we had there, but I definitely just wanted to bring it up. Yeah, Iron be- Mike Tyson stepping back in the ring on the twenty eighth, so just a few days away. Excited about it. Well, we can talk about NFL stuff, and we're not going to be excited to talk about it because we're just going to lead off with it. The Eagles suck. I mean, we've known this, but sitting at 3-6-1, and one, they are still a laughing stock, but somehow still in first place in their division. We do not expect this to last long as they have, believe it or not, the toughest remaining schedule in the NFL, according to winning percentage. But... For the time being, especially as we get closer and closer to not being able to say it anymore, I'm going to enjoy saying that we're in first place, even if we are sitting at a abysmal 3, 6, and 1. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable. Your defense gives up 13 points, and you lose. Yeah, I mean... To a, to a Browns team that's, that doesn't have Miles Garrett. I, and, I mean, at what... What point in the game did you think that like maybe they bench Carson? Because I was hoping for it at at points. See, I, I don't ever think they should bench Carson. I mean, okay, I shouldn't say that. I should not say I don't ever think they should bench Carson. He was getting. I think eight, it's on the though. horizon. But I don't th- blame him. I think our play calling is abysmal. How is it? I look at oh, so many other games, so many other games, virtually every other game in the NFL that I watch, and the quarterbacks are thrown to open receivers. Now, I know Carson Wentz has his accuracy issues. I know sometimes he holds on to the ball too long. But I feel like our receivers are never open. I watched the Rams play against the Buccaneers tonight. And for the Rams, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, I forget, is it Josh Robinson? I forget what the guy's first name. I don't, I don't remember. Gerald Everett, you name it. They're, they're, they're open to receive passes. You go to the Buccaneers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. Open to receive passes, Scotty Miller. You look at this. You look at this Eagles team, and yet nobody's ever, nobody's ever open. There's he never is. He never has a play where blocking holds up, and there's a player coming out of his break open. You think, oh, maybe they're getting Alshon Jeffrey back. Alshon Jeffrey's been a non-factor. They they draft J.J. Ortega Whiteside with an early draft pick. He's been a waste. He he's been a non-factor his whole career. I mean. Jalen Rieger, yeah, okay, he's actually shown some sparks, but then when you look at the players that were available, Justin Jefferson, you know, it's like, oh. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm more disappointed, though, in Doug Peterson. I, I think that we don't, you know, that, that game plan 
that Eagles game, we started off the first drive of the game. We ran the we we ran the ball every single play except for one. We passed. We had one pass play. Carson Wentz was one for one for twenty two yards. And the rest of the plays, Miles Sanders was eating them alive. Six yards a carry, five and a half yards a carry, a nine yard run, a five yard. I'm I'm just by the way, I'm just giving random numbers. I'm not reading yeah. these off, but he was eating them alive, and that was opening up the play action. Carson Wentz is one long pass, which, by the way, a 22-yard pass. How often do we hit 20-plus yards passes? Hardly ever. He had a 22-yard pass because the play action was opened up. Why? Because we were running the ball so effectively. And then, yes, Miles Sanders fumbled, and it was a bummer. But you know what? It was a great defensive play. Player gets in there, makes direct contact with the football. It squirts out. You see that all the time. There's nothing you can do about it. The next several drives... We just abandoned the run. How is it Miles Sanders had like 46 yards rushing on that first drive and ended with like 66 yards rushing? How is that possible? He was averaging more than five yards a carry. How does he only have 20 yards the rest of the game? It, Doug Peterson immediately abandons the run, even though the game was close. Later on in the game, we were tied well after that. And yet Doug Peterson abandons the run. And it's just, you know, keeps on going with these bubble screens. Keeps on, doesn't draw up plays that allow receivers to get open or our receivers are physically incapable of it. But I find it strange that uh, every team in the NFL has guys, even backups, that can get open in our, our team. Well, just, and we, uh, we've gotten performances out of a practice squad guy. In Travis Fulgham this season. Yeah, and then we start we take away some of his stat, snaps because Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson were healthy again, and we start, you know, it's like, wait, yeah, what Yeah, it's we... like, wait, oh, the thing that was working we're going to just stop using over over Alshon Jeffrey, who gives up an interception because he gets slightly pushed in the back because he can't high point a ball at the NFL level anymore. This Bird's team makes me so angry. It's, it's little things. You know, at one point, Cam Johnston punts the ball it bounces on the three-yard line and bounces away from the end zone. So he had backspin on it. it. It was bouncing a direction that's good for the Eagles if you're trying to pin somebody in. Yes. And our special teams guy runs down, catches the ball, and then his momentum carries him into the end zone yes. for a touchback. What are you doing? Dog. Like, it's every area of the team this team is lacking. Our it, offensive our, line can't provide protection. No one no our, one knows when to call for a fair catch on a punt or to let it go. How many times have we gotten pinned? And getting pinned cost us again this game. Getting pinned at the one because Carson Wentz takes a safety because they're throwing it on third and eight from their own end zone. So it's been a joke. Our play calling needs to get better. Uh, you know... I'm not a huge fan of the of the Jalen Hurts. Uh, yes, maybe Jalen Hurts becomes the answer. Well, we finally saw the, him get his first positive yards on one of the dumb plays that they run him in for. That's that what they I already mean. know but is even going then, to be a run it, it, of like, some sort. Kills kind. the drive usually. I mean, Carson Wentz is no threat to catch the ball, so you don't even have him run routes. I mean, the whole thing is just. They need to figure it out. They need offensive creativity. Uh, Doug Peterson needs to consider hiring a legit offensive coordinator instead of doing what he did this year yeah. where he just he, gives everybody weird half promotions and doesn't actually address the problems. And, 
Yeah, I mean, the the problems of this team, unfortunately, stretch long, 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 long beyond just Carson Wentz. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the offensive line carousel doesn't help with what you're trying to plan to do for the team, but you have to do something, and you got to put forth a better effort than what we saw this past Sunday. Elsewhere, we saw Taysom Hill and the Saints get a big victory over the Falcons. A lot of question marks about this Saints team following yeah. the Drew Brees injury last week and whether or not it would be Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill taking the reins. Yeah, I mean, we were predicting Jameis. We didn't realize that it was going to be Taysom. Yeah, Sean Payton ends up opting for Taysom Hill, and he wasn't disappointed. The really Swiss Army knife of players, just athlete, put up a dazzling performance in his first start at quarterback for the Saints, got a couple of rushing touchdowns, and... Pretty early on, it seemed apparent that he had control. Saints were up 10-9 to at halftime and never looked back, just pouring it on from there, finishing 24-9, and they look forward to next week and seeing if they can keep this run going while they wait for Drew Brees to heal up from that pretty gruesome rib injury. Yeah, I think it's up to 11 broken ribs now. <sighs> Nuts. Ouch. Speaking of ouch, Washington won... 20-9 to against this Bengals side, but the real headline coming out of this game, Joe Burrow, he injures his ACL, MCL. He's got additional structural damage in his knee. He's going I mean, to be done a, for a year. At a year at least. This is the same injury that Carson Wentz got, but almost a little bit more severe. And you have to wonder, might they have lost their franchise quarterback before he even got the chance to have him? Joe Burrow was absolutely battered by that offensive line, and the shame on the Bengals. Yeah. They did nothing to protect him. He was the second most hit and sacked quarterback in the league this year, behind only Carson Wentz. Well, and he also had the fifth most throwing attempts this year. And that's not a record you want. Not for your he was rookie. was on pace to be the most pass attempts ever for a rookie quarterback. Again, that's not a record you should want. No. Yes, it's good that they can get completions. Yes, the NFL has been trending more toward pass-heavy offenses. But you're subjecting your quarterback to so But you're subjecting so your quarterback to when your quarterback is second in the league, again, behind only Carson Wentz, which uh, we're, we don't even need to continue talking about the Eagles, in hits and sacks, you should not be dropping him back to pass. I mean, he dropped back to pass 29 times in the first half alone that game. It, yeah. This was a disaster waiting to happen. And so shame on the Bengals. Obviously, we hope for the best. Yes. For Joe Burrow. Yeah, speedy recovery. I mean, he's been an awesome player to watch. And, you know, it calls into question, though, might, you know, this is a, uh, you know, it's not on the tier of Bridgewater or Alex Smith, but it's up there. It's devastating. It's a brutal injury, but he's young, and hopefully we get to see him recover. On speaking of Alex Smith and Bridgewater, shout out real quick, Alex Smith. Getting his first win yes. in years, you know, good for him. Getting his knee rebuilt. Getting, you know, being able to still use that knee and produce on the field. And then speaking of Teddy Bridgewater, he was out this week, and the Panthers didn't seem to skip a beat. And Temple alum P.J. Walker really shined in his NFL debut. Goes from the XFL to the NFL and dazzles 20 to nothing. The Panthers roll the Detroit Lions. P.J. Walker, he obviously, you know, did turn the ball over a little bit. There were a couple of hiccups and learning curves here and there, but for a guy that went undrafted, for a guy, again, a Temple quarterback, actually had a history with Matt Rule, 
it was exciting and fun to see him produce and see that Panthers team continue to grow and that whole program continue to grow under Matt Rule. That's a team we should not be surprised to see if them make some noise in the next couple of years. Matt Rule is a good football coach. He's a program builder. It looks like he's building a program down there in Carolina. And just got to say, P.J. Walker is now undefeated in his last six starts as the starting quarterback. So. Well, there it is. Speaking of undefeated, Pittsburgh Steelers remained undefeated this week with their 27-3 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know the exact number, but they become just one of the several teams in NFL history to be 10-0. Yes. They're actually projected according to like Pro Football Focus and all of the you know FBI, FPI, mm-hmm. uh, and all that next gen stats to win their remaining six games. Wow! Which means they would go undefeated in the regular season. Now, this is not a team that I actually expect to get out of the AFC in the playoffs. And I don't know if they will go undefeated. They do still have to beat the Ravens again. But the Ravens have been struggling. And I believe the Ravens actually played the Steelers this week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, I mean, they have, there have been ups and downs. They have struggled, uh, you know. But that's a tough, that's a, that's a tall order going 16-0. and I mean, we still got a little ways to go. But 10-0, and that's a big accomplishment. Yeah, and Ben Roethlisberger's been dealing all season. And We've had offense, the emergence yeah. of... I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster's been good as always. Continued to do what he does. Claypool's been unbelievable. Yep, excellent rookie season. Deontay Johnson's been real. Washington. Washington. Uh, All of them have been putting together a really, really impressive offensive through-the-air passing game. We saw an interesting match that went to overtime. The Tennessee Titans handed another loss to the free-falling Ravens. 30-24 to 24 in overtime. Derrick Henry breaking a, what, like 22, 19, 22-yard run, 29-yard mm-hmm. maybe, maybe. To, to win it. And really just a big punch in the gut to a Ravens team. We had a big lead in that game, and they were up 14 points with not a ton of time left, and they end up giving up the two touchdowns. Uh, I, you know, Actually, no, they, were up, they were up like I forget how many points. They ended up having to tie it up at the end, I remember. Mm -hmm. So Ravens tied it up at the end. They force overtime. And then... Derrick Henry eventually. Derrick Henry ends up getting the win. But pretty crazy. The Ravens, if the playoffs end today, would be out of it. This is a team that I'm sure everybody had as a pretty much surefire playoff team. And yet here they are behind Cleveland and Pittsburgh in their own division. And they've lost now several games in a row. So they look to get back on track. But with a tough match against the undefeated Steelers coming up, it'll be a tough one. So we'll see. Elsewhere, we saw the Chargers beat the Jets. Joe Flacco looked like he had the Jets doing the most on offense that they've done all season, putting up 28 points. But it still was not enough as Justin Herbert continued his impressive rookie campaign Three touchdowns, 300-plus yards in the air. Another extremely impressive performance. It seems like the haircut worked. Yeah. So, you know, he's been fun to watch, especially now with that Joe Burrow injury. Maybe that paves the way for Justin Herbert to snag that Rookie of the Year award, considering 
they do look at full body of work. And since Herbert has now been starting since week two, he kind of, I imagine, would have the upper edge on a guy like Tua or, you know, at eventually Joe Burrow or... Mm-hmm. Or Chase Claypool yeah. at this point with his touchdown numbers. In a battle of two teams that are playoff bound, it seems almost definite. The Colts and the Packers played each other in what was a really crazy one. The Colts did sneak away with the 34-31 win on the Rodrigo Blankenship field goal. And I got to say, that was that was a pretty crazy one. Frank Reich has really been proving himself to be possibly even the mastermind of that Eagles Super Bowl team. Mm-hmm. Philip Rivers has continued to be very productive. That's a team that, you know, again, they were down by a good amount to the Packers in this game, and yet they just continued to fight. The defense continues to force turnovers, gets big stops when they need them, and the offense chugs along as well. Philip Rivers has, is competent enough yes. that he gets the big plays, he puts them in a position to win. Yep, and their defense has been very good. I mean, doing enough to get yourself in a position to face off against Aaron Rodgers. It's extremely impressive. One scoreline that was a huge shock to me, though. I think it was a shock to both of us. Uh, definitely. We saw your boy and, and the Miami Dolphins finally uh, come back come back to earth after they've been flying high for the last several weeks. They took a brutal 20-13 to loss to the Denver Broncos, a team that Really seems to not have had an identity all year. I mean, they've had a rotating door to quarterback. They've had all sorts of players opt out. Then Von Miller went down for the season. You know, it was a pretty, it's been a crazy one for Denver. And I think there's a big win for them, momentum-wise. But take this Dolphins team's playoffs changes take a little bit of a hit. Mm-hmm. And I think Tua's groove takes a little bit of a hit. It does. Tua winds up getting himself benched in this game for Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's an interesting decision. There was a little bit of confusion whether it was for an injury or whether it was for performance. And the Dolphins came right out and said it was performance, which I think is a very interesting tactic for a rookie quarterback still in his first four games in the NFL. Yeah, you know, I'm curious, but I know this is kind of goofy, but this is kind of the type of thing that he was almost familiar with. Coming from Nick Saban, dealing with the plethora of talented quarterbacks that Alabama's had. Yeah, he's used to the short leash. Maybe he's used to the short leash, and, you know, he really was struggling. He really didn't have the answers. He was looking like a frazzled rookie against that Broncos defense. They really were getting to him. They were He couldn't read blitz packages. He couldn't read defensive coverage schemes. He couldn't read line stunts. He couldn't read, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the more advanced reads that a quarterback needs to make. And granted, this Denver defense. Yeah, is a, Vic Fangio is a very good, very a, good defensive yes. so scheme. I'm not builders. implying that these are shortcomings of Tua. But, you know, a lot of these players, they intend to let them mature and let them look at the game, you know, the game film and let them digest NFL 
speed and, and, you know, the complexity of the NFL game a little bit longer. And I think this might have been an example of Tua, you know, this was almost Tua's welcome to the NFL game. A little bit. A little bit. It was a it was a rough go of things. We could talk about this Cowboys-Vikings game because this is, yet again, the Vikings being not a good football team, not because they're a bad football team. Cow- uh, the Cowboys beat the Vikings 31-28, and right now the Cowboys have found themselves in the three-way tie behind no, the Eagles. not the Vulcan- uh, or, Vikings. I'm sorry, the Cowboys. the Cowboys have found themselves in a three-way tie in the division right behind the birds at three and seven. Yeah, so, I mean, this division, not that it was ever not a toss-up, but I think us here in Philadelphia expected the Eagles to maybe create a little bit of safety behind them and a little bit of a cushion and prepare for a still underwhelming season, but to get into the playoffs now, after next week, virtually any team in the NFC East could be in first place. Eagles play on Monday night against the Seahawks. And the Cowboys play on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's a divisional matchup the Cowboys have. Is it against it's Washington? Washington football team? Yeah, I believe it's the Washington football that's team. That's normally what it is. And so we have, you know, like I said, at the end of next week, yeah, it's the Washington football team against Dallas because we have the Giants playing against the Cincinnati Bengals. That's right. And so, really, that Bengals team becomes very beatable without Joe Burrow. Not that they weren't beatable with Joe Burrow, but you know they become a lot less threatening without Joe Burrow. And then we have Cowboys versus Washington. One of those teams is bound to get a win. So unless the Eagles can get a win on Monday night, we're looking at a, almost a virtual certainty that another team is going to be taking first place in the NFC East. So that'll be worth keeping an eye on. The NFC least, really a disappointing division. With one, you know, Eagles, any of these teams are one loss away from guaranteeing that they cannot finish above 500. Yep. And lastly, we saw on Sunday night the Chiefs and the Raiders play one another. This game ended up being a lot more exciting than I think anybody anticipated. I don't think so after the first matchup between these two teams. That's true. That's true. I guess I shouldn't have sold it short, but I think maybe I should meant to say more high scoring, but even then with these offenses, that wouldn't be the case either. But 35-31 ended up being the final. Andy Reid squeaks it out, winning his football coach in road games of all time and builds upon that but two teams that we expect probably to see in the playoffs this Raiders team has really come a long way in these two seasons under John Gruden and they look to build upon that and Derek Carr looked pretty impressive yet again yeah so did Josh Jacobs so absolutely definitely a fun Definitely just a just a fun division to keep an eye on. You know, those Chiefs are always going to make some noise, but when they're, it, you know, it's fun that there's still competition in that division. You know, in the AFC North with the, is it the North with the Patriots? Mm-hmm. That Patriots, Bills, Dolphins, that, Jets. No, that's East then. Because is that East? It is East. The Dolphins. 
in the AFC East, the Patriots had were, were dominant for so many, and they were the class of the NFL. But they didn't have a single team in the division that was competitive. Exactly. At least in this AFC West, you were seeing the Chiefs are good, yes, but the Broncos, some you know, at least remain somewhat relevant. The Raiders are competitive. The Chargers are a pretty good football team. Mm-hmm. And so it's not one good team just beating up on a whole bunch of bad teams. Exactly. Well, I think that about wraps us up for this week. Yep. Definitely had a ton to talk about, and we look forward to a very exciting week. We do have the big day of Thanksgiving games this Thursday. Mm-hmm. Three games, so... We'll have a we'll have our own little Thanksgiving preview. Yeah, keep an eye out on our little Happy Thanksgiving podcast. We'll uh, we'll give you guys a rundown of what our Thanksgiving is looking like, both uh, on the field and on the table. So we will have all sorts of you know input there and maybe some fun stories. So be sure to keep an eye out from that, and then still expect our normal. NFL weekly preview show, but probably coming a little bit later this week, a little closer to the weekend where yeah, we will address. Saturday. Yeah, where we will address the remaining games for the weekend. Otherwise, we have stickers still available. Two and a half inch vinyl stickers. They are phenomenal. They have friends have them on their cars, on water bottles. Got mine on a vending machine. I mean, really all over the place. They are fantastic. Hit us up if you want one of those, and you can also hit us up on our social medias at B-O-T-T podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Anything else, Brendan? Any housekeeping on your end? Just if you want to, if you want to call into the show, let us know, get us in the DMS and we will, uh, we'll schedule a call. We'll figure it out. We'll get your voice onto the show. Yeah. We always love to have some extra input. So we appreciate you guys stopping by. Appreciate you welcoming us into your ears for a little bit. Yeah. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, we'll see you again soon. Thank you.